0: Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy. Discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. All right.
1: Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Jake, how you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. How are you, Randy?
1: I am doing great as well. One thing I wanted to discuss with you today is jam stamina. And what I mean by that is like, how long do you think it takes to lose your jam legs? Like, is it four days or two weeks? How long between jamming do you think it takes to lose that jam stamina?
0: (laughs) Well... It's an interesting question because I, I think you could define jam stamina in a lot of different ways. Um, at least the two that immediately come to my mind are just your physical stamina, like how fast and how long can you run, how much can you move, how long can you play before you're just tired. I don't know if you've experienced this, but when I'm a little bit tired, I don't play as well as when I'm just fully energized. So, But yeah, the other thing that I can think of is, I don't even know what to call it, it's like the micro touch, the little adjustments. I've noticed if I haven't played for a little while, I'll do an airbrush, and I'll expect the disc to make a certain reaction off my hand, and it will change. It may even just be an inch, but it goes a little bit different than what I expected, and because of that, I have to react differently, and I end up um, I just can't do the moves that I want to do. I end up having to fix it a lot more often. To me, that's almost even more important than the physical stamina. It's just having that, that touch, that control where you can do exactly what you want and know that what you do and what you expect is what happens. So I guess I haven't really answered your question. Yeah,
1: I, actually, I think you have. I think it's it's not a clear black and white answer. It's very layered. I would echo what you're saying. So during COVID, I didn't play for like, I don't know, four or five months and the first time I played, it was really odd. I felt like I couldn't figure out how to spin. I didn't have the touch that I had. So even though I had all the skills still in my my mind, my body was not ready to go there as quickly as I thought it would. And I think I may have mentioned this in an earlier episode. like my jam callus. I lost my jam <laughs> callus. And I had to build the calluses back up to where I could get back up to speed. And I remember after playing for a while, probably a month or maybe a month and a half, I started to get, you know, not thinking just being in the moment spins were coming back more naturally. So yeah, I, I had to build up my jam calluses. I'm resonating with both layers that you're talking about because we just had a really extreme heat event here in Seattle. And so I didn't play for four or five days. And then I went out and played again recently with Bob Boulware and I was like out of breath. It like was taking me a while to get up to speed and i was like wow it only was 4 days ago and i lost my my stamina to like go out and jam i can go play for hours and we were 30 minutes in and i was you know huffing and puffing going wow so
0: wow yeah i can relate 4 days to lose your stamina that seems short to me but i guess i guess i could see that it probably depends on what else you're doing cuz if you're in extreme heat i bet you're just kind of hanging out in the ac and trying to hide from it not doing a lot
1: Well, it may also be that I'm almost 60, so that could be... There's an age-related
0: component. I didn't even think about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because you're a young whippersnapper, you know? Right. The, The crusty one here, but that could have something to do with it. I'm not sure.
0: So how long do you think it takes to lose your touch?
1: That is an excellent question, and I'm not sure because I've never tested that out. I only was kind of forced to do it during COVID. That was four or five months, so I don't know. I didn't test it at one month or two months or yeah. three months, so I'm not sure.
0: I've taken a month or two months of time off for various reasons. It seems like a month is enough to lose it to me. So it usually doesn't take more than two jams to get it back, and the first one is the most painful, and the second one it's starting to come back, and the third one, it's back. But usually after a month, I feel like I just can't quite, the muscle memory I think it's there, but things aren't happening the way that I expect them to happen. But there is something else that I wanted to mention about taking a break. So you have your muscle memory, but you also have like, I don't know if it's muscle memory or what you call it, but it's, you just do these certain moves. You think of the jam in a certain way. And sometimes it's almost like you're in a rut, even though it doesn't feel like a rut, you end up kind of just repeating the same things over and over. And sometimes taking that month off breaks you out of that and a new level of creativity will appear.
1: You're absolutely right. It's good to take a break. You come back to it fresh. Taking time off can be very valuable in that aspect for sure.
0: Okay, so let's talk about today's episode. So if you recall in the last episode when we were talking to Amy Schiller, she was talking about how she prefers sports where there's a hard score like number of goals or distance thrown she wants to know who the clear winner is, and so freestyle never quite had an attraction for her, but then something changed because we know her as an amazing freestyle so in this episode, we're gonna find out what it was that changed for her and what finally drew her in so it's interesting it sounds like it it even though you weren't attracted to it that you were able to mentally adjust to it and uh I'm just curious how do you think how do you think you were able to make the adjustment and is there um Advice or perspective that you could provide to other people who are having trouble with that.
2: Well, as I told you guys earlier, you know, I it really took me a long time in my career to just dedicate to freestyle, you know, because I was playing ultimate for you know competitively for 15 years in the beginning, and then overall, which are you know pretty pretty pure sports. Um, actually, ultimate was my first team sport, so. As you can see, like the um, the overall with its individualness was like a little more like familiar for me from where I came from in high school athletics. But I mean, the thing about freestyle is that it's not all about the competition when people get together. Like I don't know what you guys have felt over the years, but I've I feel that more and more and more uh, recently it is way more of a social gathering thing and you know yes we still want to compete and that's part of the cool part but like you know this segues well into like dave and my beach stylers tournament it's a very social oriented program (laughs) and yeah there's competition what's interesting is like if you don't offer up competition you don't get the same participation the numbers like everyone really does come out when there's the competition um and that's the goal So we make it competitive and we do some things a little different, like offering up like the turbo shred, the individual activity, which I mean, I just I love that one because it's a little more pure. And then we also have um, the airbrush race, which I've never won. I've always thought I'm going to win this year, except more recently in recent years, I knew I wasn't going to win, but I'm still running it anyway. And, um, and of course, we're still offering it in our tournament. So that the nature of freestyle is that I just, I think that I have, you know, more recently, anyway, approached the tournaments with a little bit less of a competitive style and looking at it more like, oh, cool, I get to go to Germany.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I'm just sort of reflecting on my own experience and how that's evolved for myself. So I would say, you know, like, I don't know, early 90s, I was much more aggro about how I finished. And then as I sort of had some success and, and had um, some more experiences, I started realizing that what was really important to me was be able to create something that I felt was special and had a chance to make a bid. That became what my process and where my love was going instead of like, whether did I win or not. But as long as I felt like I could create something that if we hit it, we got a really good chance. So that became where my heart was at instead of worrying so much about where I finished. So
0: I'm similar. For me, it's, uh, I try to think more about my personal goals and my personal performance. I, did, I set a goal, and then if I performed up to that goal, I can feel a sense of satisfaction whether or not I got the win. still sucks to get booshed, but you know that takes a sting out of it if I can say, well, at least I went on the field and I did what I came to do.
1: But, you know, that was where I think I had my learning experiences that I felt like I had gotten booshed and I kind of made a bit of a scene and really reflect back on it. And I was pretty embarrassed about how I acted. And so that was kind of a humbling experience. And that was sort of started pushing me in the, the more healthy experience about the creative process and having that be really uh, what gave me the good feelings instead of the did I get booshed or not booshed. So
2: I had I gave myself a nice, embarrassing scene um it was in disc golf. Um, I was really disappointed in my round. It was like the finals and I dropped a place and I just, I sucked. I was so mad at myself. And so I did one of those things where I started like kicking my bag. I, it was over, you know, but then I realized that like the group of people that was in involved in the tournament, like kind of the, uh, Tournament Central could see me doing this and having my own little mental breakdown Um, so I can relate to uh, having a breakdown. I've definitely done it to myself. I really think that Frisbee over the years has helped me become less of a hothead and to really calm down. I, I was terrible at first. Those
1: experiences can be really enlightening. You know, it's like you sometimes have to push something too far where you go, Oh God, I what what did what did I just do? And then you can learn from it and adapt and and you can put yourself in a situation that feels a lot better than where you were before and said, I'm not going there again.
0: So so circling it back to the Beach Stylers events. So you and Dave have hosted Uh, at least 10, a ton of Beach Stylers events. So they've all been really successful and some of the most memorable events for me. Do you have any advice to others who want to put on an event on how to make a successful and memorable tournament?
2: I'm so glad we're talking about Beach Stylers, Jake. One of my greatest memories from Beach Stylers is playing with you. Wow, thank you. (laughs) We took second place, but that is the trophy that I love the most. So, um, you know, I don't know if I can give other people advice about running a tournament because I think there's other factors, too. It's like power to people who want to run tournaments and seek sponsors and, and really make it big time. That's not what Dave and I have done over the years with Beach Stylers. We wanted to attract um a little more, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be local people, but we wanted to offer something to like our own community, more so regionally here um, in California. And um, we wanted to make it creative and fun for us and just like a party. That's why, you know, we always do these creative inventions with our trophies. And I know Dave just loves offering up the Turbo Shred and the Mob Op Idol, which are like, you know, it's it's a unique opportunity to give away uh, 14 or 15 different trophies to people for what they're like kind of known for. Yeah, which was the Zen Master, right? Which is the top open player at the tournament or the Disc Diva Deluxe um, or the kinder setter, Randy. Um, so it's uh, the the beach style. I have an excuse to bring, you know. Our, our buddies to town.
0: I have to say, I really love that the mob op idol part of that competition. I mean, I love all the events, but the mob op idol is really cool because you get to jam with your friends for hours and hours in perfect beach conditions, and just have a blast. It's what you would do anyways. And then at the end, you get to go and say, "Well, I had." really great sets from this player and I had really great throws from that player and this player just saved everything and you start to recognize it it makes you reflect on how much fun you had and and who all the people were that you connected with it's just such a great way to share like take this experience that we already have and then share it and reflect on it Uh, it's really fun
2: thank you it's super cool to do it I don't know if we're going to be able to do it this year I think the jury's still out whether the city of San Diego would try to shut us down or not but it's still a few months out so we'll see with the COVID-19 because we're recording this during COVID so there's a we're friends with some of the families in the neighborhood and the a little boy across the street he just turned 12 and um for his birthday we were over there so we were like, OK, let's give him one of the beach stylers necklaces that we made this past year. We had a few left over um, and they're kind of this tribal necklace. And and we use that same kind of painting on the pendant and um, an embossed piece of leather attached to it. And it was so cool because I gave it to Kai and he is only 12 and he paused, you know, and we gave him a disc too. he paused and he looked at it and he's like, did you paint that? And I was like, Yeah. And he's like, on there. I said, it's an embossed leather. And he's like, what does it say? He, he couldn't make it out. I can't remember what he mistook the word stylers for, but it was close. And I was like, No, it's beach stylers. It's our own little brand. <laughs> you know, and he was like, I was blown away by how how excited that kid got. You know, you never know. Maybe he'll become the next beach styler.
1: Zen Master Mobob Idol.
2: <laughs> cool. yeah no
1: so so amy we we have to ask you and we ask everyone what is your favorite kitchen utensil
2: <laughs> the spatula
1: the spatula and why
2: well because i like to flip stuff
1: <laughs> <laughs> that says it all. you can flip your disc you can flip your egg you can do whatever you want with the spatula. It is a multi-purpose utensil in
2: the kitchen. Yes. Yes. It's the number one. You yeah. don't leave home without it.
0: Cool. So so Amy, you're can you think of all of the the women partners that you've played with over the years?
2: Thinking about everyone that I've played with so far, you know, starting with Nan Moreau, Baba Kanyan, Terry Boganhagen, Wendy Coates, Stacey Anderson, McCarthy, G. Rose, Judy Robbins. Bethany Porter-Sanchez, Carolyn Yavi-Hubbard, Lisa Hunricks, and Lori Daniels, who I played with in 2016 to win another women's world title. So uh, spanning from 1990 to 2016 on the women's world freestyle titles. Thank you, Lori. Give her a kiss for me, will you, Jake?
1: Yeah, I will. Well, again, I want to thank Amy Schiller for joining us here on Shooting the Frisbees. It was a truly an honor to have her with us and learn more about her story. I'm hoping that we get to see her sooner than later. And I'm hoping that that will happen at Beach Stylers, as she was mentioning. Fingers crossed that it'll still happen. I will say that Beach Stylers is one of my favorite tournaments Super unique, as Amy was talking about. One of my favorite trophies of all time is from Beach Stylers, because I actually won the Zen Master Mob Op Idol. And it was a super unique trophy. This plank of wood, it's got a piece of driftwood and a little beach scene and a mini on it. And then handwritten, it says Zen Master Mob Op Idol. And you can just tell that it's, you know, done with a lot of care and love one of the things that's cool is that beef stylers also has a lot of connection between you and i jake because i know you won zen master mob op idol as well it's
0: funny you're talking about that and i'm like oh yeah i just pulled down the trophy from the shelf and i'll show you on this camera it's uh as you say, hand-painted, made with a ton of care. So this is like a little beach rock that they uh, painted a turtle on and some fish. It says beach stylers. And it's just, it's amazing to me how much effort that they put into the trophies. The trophies are so cool. And like, that's not even the best part of the tournament.
1: <laughs> right. Funny, when we were talking about this, we both realized that we had that trophy in really prominent places in our houses. So mm-hmm. that, that speaks volumes about how special they are.
0: You know, one of the things that's cool about it is the unique format where we uh, get to go and display our skills from all these different types of freestyle play. And I got to say, I take a lot of pride in the fact that it was inspired by Superhane, which is a tournament that Matt and I came up with. And the, the whole purpose of coming up with the format that we did for Superhane was that as freestylers we have these different skills we do pairs we shred individually and we just play together and we wanted to find a way to to capture that and i feel like uh we we did our best but beach stylers has really captured it so that's one of the things i love about going there
1: i love that overall format that you guys inspired and that dave and amy are continuing to bring to the game and jake Don't forget to give Lori a kiss. Of course I won't. (laughs) And on that note, I'll talk to you next time. Talk to you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com home to Haynesville, Shooting the frisbees and live streaming
2: freestyle frisbee. Oh, yeah!